Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 391 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger. He is, of course, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Uh, I think this week's show is going to whiz by, to be honest with you. We're going to fly through this. I'm going to start with the review part of the show. We're going to start in Japan at the Ariaki Arena in Kotoku over here. A couple fights to mention. We saw Kenshiro Taraji, 20-1, and move to 21-1. and He got in there with Anthony Olaskuaga, who was 5-0. and And um, to me, it made no sense, but I'm not entirely, um, you know, following the light flyweight division too much. But anyway, a ninth-round TKO for Taraji. It was a defense of his WBA and WBC light flyweight world titles, so all the best to him there. Uh, Takuma Inoue as well boxed for the vacant WBA World Bantamweight title against the very, very tough Liborio Solis. It was always going to go the distance, that one there. T- uh, Takuma Inoue now 18-1, and Liborio Solis 35-7 and with a draw. Um, and yeah, I think it might have been the main event, not entirely sure, but it went 12 rounds, a unanimous decision loss for Kiko Martinez. I thought he might be able to spring the upset, but I think... His opponent, Raya Abe, um, now 25-3 and three with a draw, was just a bit too mobile, a bit too fresh on his legs and stuff. Was able to kind of give angles, move around, and um, yeah, he wouldn't stand and bang with Kiko, Kiko Martinez, which was quite a smart thing, I guess, to do. Um, and that is what I saw of it anyway. I didn't see too much of it, but Kiko Martinez now 44-12 and 12 with two draws. Is he done yet? I doubt it. Uh, moving now to the Peacock in Cannon Town. London over here. Um, one fight really to mention, the return to the ring for Ahmet Patterson, who of course hadn't boxed for about seven years. He moved back to winning ways, 18-0 and 0 now, a six-round win for him there on points against Octavian Gratti, who is now 8-38 and 38 with three draws. All the best there to Ahmet Patterson. Moving now out to the States, um, I'm going to start here with this one. It went down on Showtime at the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. Eddie, if you saw any of this card, feel free to to jump in. I'm going to start with the undercard, though. Chris Ariola, win number 39 for him. He's got seven losses and a draw. A knockout in round two against Matthew McKinney, now 13 and seven with three draws. McKinney down and out in round two. Uh, Gabriella Fandora, the sister of the Towering Inferno, now 11-0. I thought she might be able to knock out Maria Santizo, who's now 11-3. I thought she might be able to get her out of there. The odds were quite nice on her to do so, but she didn't. She did have her down, though, in round six. But Santizo was able to get up and then last the full distance, which was eight two-minute rounds. So perhaps if it was a ten-rounder, perhaps if it was if it was three-minute three-minute rounds, we might have seen a stoppage for Fandora, but... 
yeah, she was also cut as well on the bridge of her nose. Um, like I said, I think she's 5'9 and a flyweight. It's just incredible. Um, elsewhere on the card, Frank Sanchez, the Cuban. He moves to 22-0, and 0, a knockout in the first round against Daniel Marks, who's now 20-11 and 11 with a draw. I did say they were taking bets to see if it even went past one round, and it didn't. He was down twice there, Daniel Marks. Um, you know, not a good fighter at all, and it was always going to be an easy, quick night's work for Mr. Frank Sanchez of Cuba. Moving up the card once again, Gabriel Maestra moved to 5-0 and with a draw. Um, I always felt he was going to be too fresh for Devin Alexander, who's now 27-8 and with a draw. The one thing I wasn't too sure about was if Maestra was going to be able to get Devin out of there, because I think Devin had only been stopped one time in his seven losses, and... Off the top of my head, I can't even remember who it was to. But anyway, Devon was down in round two, and he he uh, yeah retired on his stall in between uh, the third and fourth round. So he didn't come out for round four. Third round retirement win there for Gabriel Maestra. Probably the best win of his career. He's now 5-0 and with a draw. Uh, moving up the card once again, a good fight between Luis Nunes, now 19-0. and He was able to beat Christian Bereda, who's now 20-1 and with a draw. He loses his O. That was for the vacant IBF international featherweight title. Uh, Brandon Lee with a win. I didn't expect it to go the distance, to be honest with you, but... Um, but yeah, it went the distance. Like I say, I thought Brandon Lee uh, would probably get the stoppage. Um, obviously a massive puncher. Now 28-0. Pedro Camper um, can bang as well, but obviously he'd been stopped by Tiafimo Lopez in Tiafimo's first test at 140. So I thought that whatever happens here, it's probably not going to go 10. How wrong I was. A lot of people online are screaming that Brandon Lee did not win that fight, um, despite, I think... If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he dropped Camper early. Um, Eddie, I'm guessing you saw it. <laughs> yeah, so I saw a little bit of it. Well, no, I saw the entire, you know, and I think I was flipping, I was flipping back and forth. If I'm not mistaken, I think on that one anyway. Um, and honestly, I didn't think it was that great of a performance, actually, by him. You know, and I heard so much, and I didn't see him much before that. From what I saw, it looks like once once he gets to, you know, he starts to like really step it up and like get to the level of, you know, fighting other top guys, champions, and things like that. He's gonna struggle. That's how I mean, he's got the speed. He's athletic. You know, he can move. But it looked like to me, with a guy like uh, Campo, right? Is that, that's the name Campo. Yeah, Pedro Campo. I can't. <clears throat> He was just basically he was he was able to like walk him down and it looked like he started to control the fight. Uh, I think a, I think after the first few rounds, Brandon Lee started to he was he was in control. He was moving. He was he was uh, you know landing quick those quick combinations. But once it started to move to like the fourth, fifth, I think it was the fourth or fifth round on, he was in his behind pause like he was all over. And he really couldn't keep him off. And I know it was like most people were saying, oh, man, I thought he was going to knock him out. And it didn't even look like he had enough to get him out of it, to be honest. I don't think he's really, really ever looked like he was in trouble. He did catch him with some good shots, but it didn't look like he had enough of a shot, you know what I mean, as far as, like, you know, you know power to get to even hurt the guy because he, he was walking through a lot of the shots. And him trying to move, and I said this about uh, – I think it was uh, Miguel Cotto when he fought Margarito. 
when you're fighting a guy who's a busy guy who comes forward, it's probably not a good idea to try to run the whole time or to try to create space like that, or even for a few seconds, because all it's going to do is going to let them eventually, and, and, and the way he was doing it is like he would go from like post to post and, and stop and exchange a little and then move, but he's still giving him the momentum to get to him. It's just going to end up being like you're doing all that work and all that extra movement for nothing. You know what I mean? I, at, at times he would sit there and try to trade with him, but you you got to do something. you gotta, you got to be able to keep them off. you got to have something to keep them off you. It just didn't look like he had it. The guy, I thought, controlled the second half of the fight. If I had to pick a winner, I would have said um, I would have said Brandon Lee probably got it by a bit because I think he did enough in the last round. But those scorecards, though, absolutely horrible. I don't know how you can look at a fight that, that, like that and give out those scorecards. But then again, I've been a part of one of them, and I've seen others, so none of that surprises me. But I think he's going to have to go back to the drawing board a little bit and assess a little bit more about what he's doing. Some of the punches I've seen him throw, punch selection, wasn't the greatest. But, I mean, he's talented. He's, you know, he's got he's got a future, obviously. He's just going to have to sharpen up a few things. Well, there's Eddie's take there. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, I didn't actually see that fight, but from what I heard, there was a lot of people online saying Brandon Lee was quite quite um, fortunate to get it. Um, did he have him down, Eddie, in, in, in the early part of that fight? Am I, am I making that up? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Because yeah, you know what's mad I remember? I turned it on like after the first, like, I think two or three, two rounds or three rounds, I think. And then I was watching it from, like, the last round, I think he did really well in Brandon Lee that I seen controlling it on on up and then like I said Campo just started to take over. Not take over like he was winning every moment of it, but take over like yeah. it started swinging more in his favor. Like he had the momentum, you know what I mean? I don't know if he had him down. I don't think so. I could be wrong. Okay, okay, maybe I'm making that bit up. No worries. Uh, the main event, Sebastian Fondora, now 20-1 and one with a draw, loses his O. Um, once again, I was actually... Um, a few things going on in my uh, personal life, so I missed this fight, and um, I was driving, and um, <laughs> I put like a parlay of boxing you know, together, and the last thing I needed was just Fondora to win. So when I um, got to where I was going and checked my phone and see that I went on box rec and it said Fandora uh, twenty and one with a draw, I was like, "What?" And then obviously I went and looked at the knockout and oh my goodness, it was definitely uh, you know a, a real knockout. Some people saying that he quit. No way in the world. He did not know where he was. Um, Eddie, I only literally saw the stoppage. But like I say. Uh, that one was for the WBC interim world super welterweight title. Down and out in round seven. An excellent win there for Brian Mendoza. Humongous upset. Now 22-2 and two Mendoza. You saw more of, the, more of the fight than I did, so tell me what you saw, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy's the upset guy from what I understand. He's the same thing to, to Banana and uh, I think a couple other guys. Um, but yeah, this one, <laughs> this one was, this one was tough. That knockdown was and I feel for Sebastian Fondor because he was really controlling the fight. Like, it was like one of those things where you were watching it. Like, oh, he, you know, if this guy seems tough. He seems like he's going to go the distance. But there's no way he's going to win this fight. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say there's no way. But it just looked like it was going to be. And in fact, it was like maybe 
guy. You know what I mean? Like, if, you know, if, if the stars align a little more for him, I guess, or if he walks into something. Because, you know, you know how Fundor could be a little more, uh, you know, he could be a, he's more, more aggressive, but he was using the jab a lot, actually. He was kind of using his height a little bit. And then he started to, like, come forward, and he started to go back into what his normal thing was. And it was like, I think it was like mid-fight that he started to do that. Like, I want to say mid-fight, because I think he got stopped, you know, in the, middle, in the middle rounds. But it was like a few rounds in, he started to, use, he was, he started to like, come in and, and not only just he was jabbing, but he would come behind the jab and obviously throw combinations and, you know, kind of like what he normally does. Landed the uppercut a few times, like, you know, a few good ones. And um, you would just think that eventually Mendoza was getting, you know, either getting stopped or he was just going to be behind on cars where he couldn't, where he couldn't, you know, couldn't, you know, survive, you know, obviously survive in a position. And, uh, but then out of nowhere, and the messed up part of the whole thing is, I was watching the entire fight, but I kind of dozed off literally right at the knockout. He caught him with the shot, and I remember, like, waking up, seeing him on the ground, sitting there looking up at the ref, and I'm like, oh, how the hell did I miss it? Miss it. Then I was looking, I was sitting there, why didn't he get up? Because he was sitting there, like, talking to the like, it was almost like he was talking to the ref, and I didn't actually see the shots until after. But when, and that, but when I went seen it, I can see why. That was over. Like you said, Joe, that was a 100% legit knockout. Because he hit him with the first of all, the shot almost put him down. I don't know how he stayed up. But then the two shots after it, I'm surprised he was even like, you know, like most times I would have think I would have seen a guy that he would have been extra tight, looked like he's clutched almost into a seizure type situation. But he actually sat up. I honestly don't think he knew what was going on right then. You know what I mean? He was probably just looking at him like, what the hell is going on? Why the hell am I sitting down here? You know what I mean? But one hell of a shot came out of nowhere. Kid was losing the entire fight. He might have nicked the first round, maybe. And it's like he was going to be outclassed. Out of nowhere, that shot came. Changed the entire complexity of everything that happened. Changed his whole fortune and, and for Norris as well. I feel bad for the kid because, like I said, he was looked like he was in control, and I know he had they had big things for him in the future. Which is not to say that he still can't get there, but it's just like these types of things in boxing. It's not like MMA, where if a loss, you know, you can have a loss and then right then you come right back and then you're back in the thick of it. But with this, a loss sometimes can put you almost to the back of the line, and it just it just makes it hard. You know what I mean? That's why bad decisions are are, are so frowned upon because. Boxing, it puts you at such a disadvantage when you have a loss, even if you didn't deserve it. It kind of puts you sometimes to the back of the line, depending on who you are. So it's just unfortunate for him that it happened, but it did. A learning experience. I bet you he's going to use his height a lot more from now on, or at least be a little more careful defensively. But uh, guys that can knock you out like, like this could, kid could. Yeah, I think the rematch makes sense and based off what you said. So hopefully we see a rematch there. But um yeah, really enjoyed the Fundora the Fundora train on the way up. Um I don't think we've seen the last of it though. I'm sure he'll be back um back stronger, back better. Moving out now though to this one, and I did watch this card. It took place at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, USA over here. 
Um, let's start with the undercard. We saw Bruce Carrington move to 7-0, a knockout win for him in two rounds against Brandon Chambers. No relation of Eddie, who's now 9-1 with a draw. He loses his O. Also on the card, friend of the show, Troy Isley, now 9-0, a unanimous decision there over eight rounds against Roy Barringer, who... Um, Still has never been stopped, so good stuff for him now, 9-4. Um, moving up the card once again, Jared Big Baby, or the real Big Baby Anderson, I should say, now 14-0, still has all 14 by knockout, a retirement win for him after three rounds against the undefeated 18-0. George Arias, who's now 18-1, um, and one. it was for the, uh, for the WBO International and the WBC United States Heavyweight titles. Um kind of come to um, an end much quicker than I expected. Um, I think Arias had a decent first round, but then when um, the real big baby decided to crank it up a little bit, then uh, Arias just was so many paces behind. I mean, like, Anderson's movement, he was so quick, and Arias was so slow, and it was just a matter of time at that point, really. So, um, yeah, bit of a bit of a... I would have liked to have seen a clean knockout, to be honest with you, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, moving up the card once again, Keyshawn Davis now 8-0, a TKO in round 9 of 10 against Anthony Yidget, who's now 26-3 with a draw. It was for the vacant WBC United States and the WBO Intercontinental Lightweight titles. I'll tell you what, I love watching Keyshawn Davis, man. He's becoming one of my favorite fighters to watch, Eddie. I don't know if you saw any of it. I'll come to you in a minute or perhaps not at all if you didn't see it. Did you see it? I didn't. I didn't. Okay. But I heard that's a lot fine, about this kid. I see clips of him. So go that's ahead. fine. Keyshawn Davis, though, definitely one of my one of my favorites favorites to watch. An unbelievable counter puncher with an insane punch selection. The way he picks his shots is just crazy. I really think he's got that that X factor. And he's just a true delight to watch in the ring. I mean, Anthony Yijit, like I say, obviously. European fighter, we know him quite well over here, such a tough guy, he took Keyshawn further than anyone else has, and credit to him for that, but my god, the body shots in the end that Yijit took, he was down, I think it was in round 8, if I'm not mistaken, um, and yeah, it was like a mercy stoppage in the end by the referee, Benji Estevez in round 9. Um, and yeah, I think he did the right thing, you know, Yijit certainly earned his paycheck, as they say, but... Yeah, I know that Keyshawn wanted to stop him, you know, wanted to do what the other two uh, guys did that, that beat him in the States, Rolando Romero and um, and Ivan Baranchik. They both stopped him. Keyshawn wanted to, wanted to stop him as well. Keyshawn made a comment as well in the week, I think, saying that he's seen him. He's seen his frame. He's really scrawny. He's really small. And he's going to stop him around, I think it was round four, five or six, somewhere around there. Obviously went a bit, little bit later than he he fought and um yeah i just i just really rate Keyshawn, man i'm telling you you need to watch him eddie he's definitely a stud i think he is he is you know the future of of, of boxing in his own weight division i think he's a fantastic fighter i really do and i know he's real good real good real good friends with shakur stevenson and obviously he boxed on his undercard here and i know that you know him jared anderson and shakur stevenson i think that's a tight-knit little trio there and they all came out with knockout wins which is excellent and yeah like i say moving up to that main event Shakur Stevenson now 20-0 a TKO in round 6 against Shushiro Yoshino now 16-1 and um, I mean let's let's be completely honest um, Yoshino was down twice and you know he was down twice from good shots fair enough 
But the stoppage was was terrible, actually, from the referee. The referee, as early as that, I think it was fifth round, started saying, you know, you've got to show me something, I'm going to stop it. I, I just felt that was way too early. Um, I think he had a lot more to offer, and I think as the fight would have gone on in those later rounds, I think Shakur would have slowed down a little bit, actually. That's my opinion. I think, you know... Um, Shakur's first fight at lightweight and the rest of it, I was quite eager to see how he'd get on. And Yoshino was a bit of a puncher to some degree. So I thought he's going to move up there. He's going to get in here with a real lightweight, a real lightweight puncher. And the last thing he's going to do is going to go looking for him and stand with him and try and get the better of him, you know, standing in the center of the ring. Um, I thought he's going to be on his bike and he's going to win on points. And um, yeah, he made me look a fool with that thought. Because he was aggressive, you know, he was really exciting. But I just don't think the stoppage should have come. And um, that's the one thing I do like about boxing sometimes. When a referee says, you've got to show me something that next round, otherwise I'm going to stop it. Well, it's uh, it's always worth throwing a, a little bit of money at an in-play bet. So, of course, I backed the fight to end in the next round. And it did. So that was nice. Uh, Nice little heads up from the referee. But the referee was dead wrong and shouldn't have stopped it. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that referee has also been involved in some other controversy in the past. So, um, yeah, it's not the first time for him, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, I mean, he was always going to win. But I just wanted to see a little bit more. Um, And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think he really got a mark on his face, if I'm not mistaken. So hopefully we see a quick turnaround for him. Obviously, we want to see him getting another title shot. Devin Haney's the man, really. Um, I'm not too sure how much longer we're going to see him at 135. So hopefully we can see that fight before he moves up. Otherwise, you know, it'll be a bit of a shame because uh, these these unbelievable fighters all kind of in the same weight class or they're 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 thereabouts. You know, we we've named them before. There's that that brilliant trio, obviously Javante Davis, Shakur Stevenson, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Tiafimo Lopez. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of those fights that I think can be made, but they all need to kind of be in the same weight class or whatever. But we don't want to see Devin move up, give up all four of the belts, and then four different people win those titles and then hold them, hold them hostage. We don't want to see that happen. So hopefully Devin fights one of those guys before he makes his move to 140, which just seems imminent at this point. Obviously got a got a big task ahead of him in Lomachenko as well to worry about. Uh, moving now to the Bowen Center at Techport. San Antonio, Texas, USA over here. Let's start with the undercard. We have um, Mark Castro, the boxer with the best teeth in boxing. Now 10-0, a TKO in round seven against Ricardo Lopez Torres. Now 16-7 with three draws. Khalil Coe as well with an unbelievable knockout in the first round against James Quitter, who's now 6-2 with a draw. But Khalil Coe, 5-0 with a draw. Um, Yeah, it was a brilliant knockout there. One of the best I've seen this month, which we're only a few days into, so I don't know what that means. Um, Israel Madrimov as well with a points win. I thought he'd stop him because, like I say, Rafael Igbokwe was stopped by Sergei Bohachuk, and I just thought Madrimov's a bit more kind of all-round better than... than, um, Bohachuk, so I thought he'd probably get Ibokwe out of there. I think he did drop him along the way. I'm not sure if I'm making these these knockdowns up because it seems like they're not saying nothing on box rec, but I'm sitting here recalling all these guys getting knockdowns that they're not they're not uh 
<laughs> listed on, on, on the fight notes. But anyway, Madrobov now 9-0 and with a draw. Um, Igbokwe did manage to go 10 with him, so he's now 16-4. and uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez now 18-0. and Unanimous decision for him over 12 rounds for the vacant WBO World Flyweight title against Christian Gonzalez Hernandez, who's now 15-2. and Ray Ford as well, 14-0 um, and with a draw. Um... Just too good, really, for Jesse Magdaleno. Was able to um, drop him in round four and round 11. Magdaleno, though, you know, smart enough to go to 12 rounds. Didn't get stopped. But, um, yeah, he's now 29-2. and two. His two losses to Isaac Dogbe and Ray Ford. Isaac Dogbe went on to, um, well, he beat him for the world title. So he became a world champion that same night. Hopefully, Ray Ford becomes a world champion. And, therefore, this loss won't look too bad. But Magdaleno... Still probably has something to offer name value-wise, but, you know, it wasn't a great look for him. Um, but, yeah, Rayford, you know, cranked up a few gears, like I say. And then the main event, I, I feel like I tempted fate here. Um, I literally said on last week's show that these Filipinos are not feeling the pressure. They're on a massive run. And that is exactly what happened. A massive upset once again. Murajon Akhmadaliev loses his O. He's now 11-1. He loses his IBF and WBA Super World Super Bantamweight titles to the Filipino Marlon Tapales. Now 37-3. What a way to have your 40th fight. A split decision over 12 rounds for Tapales. I think there were some wide cards either way. Um, I mean, he outworked him. He outworked him. I think he deserved it. Um, I think it was a little bit nip and tuck at times. I think there was a lot of close rounds. But Tapales overall, I think, did nick it. But I don't think it was massively wide, like some people felt it was. Um, it was kind of... I wouldn't say it was... I mean, it was close. It was close. It was more close to being... It, I'm, it, I don't know if this is going to make sense. But I'm closer to saying it was a close fight than saying it was a clear win for Tapales, if that makes any sense. But over the moon for him. Because like I say, I think the Filipinos are just on such a run at the moment, man. Turning up you know, beating, be overcoming the, the, the underdog odds in the bookies and becoming national heroes because that's what happens in the Philippines. If you win a world title, you go back to the Philippines with your world title around your waist. You are a national hero. And I tell you what, they've been doing it a lot recently. So Tapales is the new man. And um, yeah, he now holds 50% of all the belts at um, super bantamweight. So, I mean, wow. I mean, I don't know if there's a rematch clause or whatever. I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. I haven't looked into it too much, but yeah, he's guaranteed himself a massive, massive, massive payday in his next fight. So I'm over the moon for him, even if it's just a five minutes bit of fame, but, um, yeah, I think the right man won it. Good stuff for him. And yeah, just outworked, um, uh, Akhmadaliev, who did have some good rounds late on as well, started to crank up the pressure in the last couple of rounds, but it just wasn't enough to nick it. And um, yeah, well done to Tapales. Unbelievable upset. But anyway, that brings the review part to a close. The final thing for me to do in this part is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated WBC international and Commonwealth lightweight champion that nobody can go the distance with. He's from Maidstone. His hands are made of stone. It is, of course, Mr. Sam Noakes. Sam, welcome back on the show, my man. Oh, I was hoping you'd do that uh, intro again. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me back, mate. Hey, it's my pleasure, my man. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. So, Sam, we last spoke back in December. At that time, you were coming off the Calvin McCord win. How have things been since then, my man? Obviously, a new year and all the rest of it. Yeah, no, it's been going well. I mean, um... I was saying injury-free, obviously that was a big thing because I was coming back off a bum injury, so 
everything. I ain't got no niggles. Training's been going well. I've been sparring Pierce O'Leary in the gym. And you couldn't ask for a harder sparring partner, to be honest. So I'm feeling fit, feeling strong and feeling ready to get in there. And I did get to running into you at uh, Yard Baturbiev. Obviously, your brother Sean yep. boxed on the undercard, picked up another knockout win against another really durable opponent. Sean's doing well, isn't he, Sam? Yeah, unbelievable finish. He's been giving me stick about it ever since he's done it. As soon as I walked over to the ring, yeah, he's got his arms arms on the rope. He looks over, looks at me, smiles, and said, oh, you ain't done that yet. <laughs> there we go. Straight away, mate. He <laughs> weren't even out of the ring yet. <laughs> And last time we spoke, you mentioned about both fighting on the same card together. Is that something that's still in the works? Um, I mean, not that I know of. I mean, he's fighting in May, uh, next month, May 12th. So I don't think they're going to coincide because I'm hoping to be out end of June, early July, have a quick turnaround. So um, I don't think it's going to work out. And then obviously he gets married in July. That's a busy year for us. Lovely. All right, man. Cool. Excellent. And back on to yourself, like I say, your next fight takes place on Saturday at the Copper Box, live on BT. You'll be boxing India's Karthik Kumar. You're both 10-0. First question, have you watched any footage on him at all, Sam? Yes, I watched his fight for the WBC Asian title, their silver Asian title. And, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I've seen him today at the media workout. He looks like a, he looks like a neat boxer. Like, I wouldn't say that he's got much of a dig, but I think... He's going to be good at making up from what I've seen. He's good at making people mix. But um, I reckon I'll make that ring very small in the night and then give him a few options to get out. And I think once I tag him, he should be all, all over, really. Well, I'm open to anyway. I'd like a nice early night, to be honest. And, yeah, you got to 10-0 and 0 with 10 KOs. That was your goal. Do you have a new number of KOs you want to get to or not? Uh, I mean, I'd just like to keep it going as long as possible really I mean I'm not, it's not going to be quite like the 10 but I mean if you can get 15 and 15 I mean that sounds proper menacing but I'm not I'm not going out daily I just want to try and keep it going as long as possible I mean I was speaking speaking to someone today and then it was like every fighter wants a knockout you know what I mean you never lay at, lay at home in bed or when you're on on your long runs you're not thinking about going points you know what I'm saying it's always some spectacular knockout that's in your in your head so, I mean, listen, if we go to distance, we go to distance, but we can't see how it's Saturday. Okay, lovely. And, um, yeah, I think the whole card on Saturday will be quite entertaining. I think we'll see a few knockouts for sure. How do you see the main event playing out, though, Sam? We're going to see, obviously, Big Joe and Big Bang Zhang. Yeah, I reckon, um, I reckon Joe Joyce stops him late, to be honest. I mean, I think Zhang beat Hergovic. I think he beat him. But, I mean, I think Joyce would stop Hergovic. So, I reckon I'm backing my man Joyce to do it later on in the fight. Yeah, I think he gets him out as well. And then, obviously, yeah. next weekend, I'm sure you'll be tuning in to that Joe Caldina undercard, having a little look at that Gavin Gwynn and uh, Craig Woodruff rematch. Is that still the goal, getting the British title shot for you? Yeah, I think back end of the year, that's when I, if I had my ideal next six months, or eight months or whatever it is, I'd, um, I'd defend my Commonwealth another two times and then just wherever that British title will be at the back end of the year, just go, uh, just go for it. Yeah, that'd be the dream, eh? Imagine just knocking everyone out, getting right to British title level and winning that by knockout as well. That'd be something. Oh, listen, mate. 
well, he's your next target, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, it's still fresh. I wanted to get your reaction to Anthony Joshua's performance against Franklin. Uh, not many people felt it would go 12. It did, of course. Did you happen to watch it, Sam? No, see, I wasn't watching it at the time, but I've heard obviously mixed reviews and saying that he didn't look, he looked a bit gun shy as well. But as for myself, my mind opinion, I didn't actually watch that card. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. All right, then, Sam. Well, like I said, we kind of whizzed through things quite quickly there. Uh, I'm going to keep it short. Obviously, really appreciate your time. I just wanted to say, if you've got any closing words just to the listeners before we let you go, um, say whatever you like, my man. Sign out with a message. Yeah. Yeah, well, just thanks for listening. I mean, and tune in Saturday night. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Don't blink. I think there's going to be a few knockouts on the card, like I say. Listen, Sam, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Best of luck on Saturday at the Copper Box, and we'll speak sometime afterwards. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start with this one here, uh, May 20th, again as part of that Haney-Lomachenko um, undercard. We're going to see Andrew Maloney, friend of the show, getting in there with Junto Nakatani. That one for the vacant WBO Junior Bantamweight world title. Uh, so yeah, all the best there to Andrew Maloney. It's shaping up to be quite a good undercard there for the uh, Haney Lomachenko bill. Again, that, that date is May 20th. We're also going to see Nico Ali Walsh on the undercard as well. Um, that is going to be a great, great fight. Um... Or great, great card, I should say. Um, elsewhere, Boxer have announced um, a May sixth card. Um, we've got Ben Whitaker. He gets in. He he returns to the ring after about a year out uh, due due to injury. He gets in there with Jordan Grant, who is six and three. Um, we've also got Casey Benjamin uh, getting in there with uh, Sean McComb. That is for the WBO European Super Lightweight title. So all the best there to both guys, really. I don't really have a horse in that race. And Corey Gibbs as well, 17-1. and one. People will remember he boxed um, Jimmy first, and he lost his O pretty much. I mean, he lost his O on points, but he lost his O because his gum shield came out so many times. The referee took about two or three points off. So they're having their rematch. Again, the date for that is May 6th. It's going to be live on Sky Sports, of course. It's a boxer show, Ben Shalom. And, um, and yeah, all the best, really, to Corey Gibbs, who can who can hopefully put that, what's the word, um, right the wrong, you know. So all the best to Corey Gibbs. Hopefully he's got a new gum shield for this rematch here. Uh, we're also going to see Shakan Pitters, the former British light heavyweight champion, get in there with former English champion Joel McIntyre. And also we're going to see Tyler Denny, um, I'm not sure if it's for a belt. I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah, I'm not in, not entirely sure. But anyway, he gets in there with Macaulay McGowan, who obviously most recently got robbed in France on that Yoka Takam card, which was quite disgusting. Um, and yeah, I should say the main event is Josh Buatzi against Powell Stepien, who I think was listed to face Callum Smith till he pulled out of their fight a few weeks ago, that Liverpool card where Callum Smith pulled out. So Ben Whittaker is not the main event, but it's shaping up to be a really, really good card there, May the 6th um, in Birmingham. Um, what else do we have? Yeah, Clarissa Shields as well. She brings big-time boxing back to Detroit Saturday, June the 3rd. Tickets on sale... Uh, next week for that one there. Uh, she gets in there with Hannah Gabriels. Um, so yeah, that is a rematch there. If people, 
If people remember, Hannah Gabriels is the only lady to have dropped Clarissa Shields when they boxed, I think, in what was maybe Clarissa's second or third pro fight, I think it was. So yeah, undisputed middleweight champion Clarissa Shields rematches for division champion Hannah Gabriels in first boxing event at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. And it's going to be streamed live on DAZN. So, um, yeah, it's quite interesting there. It looks like maybe um, I thought that she'd done some kind of deal with Boxer. So I thought it might be on, on Sky Sports. And maybe they'd build towards that rematch with Savannah Marshall. Doesn't look like that's in the plans from what I can see in front of me here. But anyway, that's about it for the news. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. It goes down tomorrow at the York Hall in Bethnal Green. Uh, we're going to see Archie Sharp topping the bill, 22-0, friend of the show. He gets in there with Mauro Peroen, who is 15-7 with a draw. It's over 10 rounds there. Archie Sharp boxing on his birthday, which is a bit crazy there. So, yeah, um, April the 14th is his birthday. He's going to be 28, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, that must be kind of crazy, boxing on your birthday. But I'm sure it's not the first time it's been done. Um, his opponent, by the way, from Argentina, 25 years of age. Been in there with Dalton Smith. Been in there with Liam Wilson as well. Um, he retired on his store against Dalton Smith. Went the distance though with Liam Wilson, who we saw, you know, give a real uh, good go against Emmanuel Navarrete back in what was that? I think maybe January or whenever it was. So yeah, he's been around the block a little bit. Um, on the under, it's just a keep busy fight. I think we want a big fight for Archie Sharp real soon. I think they're looking at Albert Bell. Um, on the undercard, we're going to see Lisa Whiteside five and zero fighting for the vacant Commonwealth. Super bantamweight title against Ty Z Gallagher, who's five and one. We're also going to see Danny Dignam, fifteen and one, with a draw, getting in there with Lucas Masich, who is twenty-eight and five with a draw. Certainly seen him on the British scene in the past. Can't re can't remember off the top of my head who he's boxed. Um, moving out now to Spain, and I'm in the mood for a little bit of Spanish pronunciation. Eddie, you ready for this accent? Sit back, get the seat. Casted back a little bit, feet up. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, here goes. So this one takes place on Saturday at the Polideportivo Vicente Trueba in Torra La Baga, Cantabria, España. <laughs> the main event. The main event. <laughs> Go on, Eddie. <laughs> nice, Joe. Nice, Joe. Excellent pronunciation. I'm sure everyone at home is agreeing. Um, the main event, Sergio Garcia, 33-2. and two. I don't know if he's boxed since he lost a very, very dubious decision to Tiafimo Lopez. I'm not sure he's boxed since then. A lot of people felt he nicked it against Lopez. I think I was one of them as well. Uh, it was over. It's over 10 rounds. He gets in there with Ricardo Cabana, who's 8-1. and one. I think it's just pretty much going to be some kind of... I don't want to say easy comeback fight, but an easy comeback fight, really. Uh, I don't know too much about Ricardo Cabana, Argentinian fighter. Uh, Marcos Maidana has been sending his videos of good luck to Cabana. Only 8-1, and one, and his one loss, I think, was on a split decision. So, you know, it's, it's a bit of a difficult one, really, to read into. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the score is there. I'm not entirely sure, as well, if Sergio Garcia's still... Um, under the Sergio Martinez umbrella. But if he is, then I'd say Sergio Martinez probably made a few phone calls back home to Argentina to Argentina to uh, find out how good this guy is. But again, I'm not entirely sure he's with him because he, he doesn't seem to be the promoter of the show. So I don't know what's gone on there. And I'm pretty sure Sergio was with Sergio. Um, 
On the undercard, just one fighter I want to mention as well from Sweden, Oscar Arlin, who is 23 and 2. He's in an eight rounder against Vicente Martin Rodriguez, who's 41 and 12 with a draw these days. Oscar Arlin, though, um, I never forget the guy's name because when I interviewed Lou Devau, obviously former light heavyweight world champion, um, trainer to Badu Jack for many years, he told me that this guy, Oscar Arlin, look him up, he has got it all. He's got it all, but I think he, he couldn't stay in the States and he uh, he couldn't, you know, stay with Lou training him and whatever reason they, they split. But, um, yeah, I've always kept an eye on him since then. Was you going to say something, Eddie? Oscar Allen? Yeah. Oh, I think that's my man. I think he was trying to train with Bashir at one point, too. He, he came over. Blonde guy. If I'm, if it's, if it's, uh? Blonde guy, blonde guy. Was he blonde? I think so. Like, uh, I don't know, uh, what weight was he? he? I say blonde, he's like blondie brown, he's a light heavyweight. It's good. It's Go good. These these organic moments during the podcast recording. No, it's good. Um, yeah, Oscar Allin. Yeah, uh, Lou Honeyboy Deval told me that he has got it all. But um, yeah, he needs me as his trainer, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. All the best to Oscar though out there in Spain. Moving now to the Copper Box Arena in London. This one's going to be live on BT Sport. Let's start with the undercard. We spoke to him just a few moments ago. Sam Noakes, ten and zero with ten KOs. He gets in there with India's Karthik. Kumar, who's also 10-0, so both guys 20-0, if you combine those records, somebody's 0, must go, someone's going to be 10-1 this time next week, and someone's going to be 11-0, I've got a sneaky suspicion that Sam Noakes is going to get him out of there, probably in the first half of the fight, that one is for Sam's Commonwealth and WBC International Silver Lightweight titles, um, elsewhere on the card again, friend of the show, Michaela Mayer, fantastic to see her boxing, um, I was going to say in London for the first time, but no, obviously she boxed on that Shields and Savannah Marshall on the card, didn't she, if I'm not mistaken, she boxed, yeah, Alicia on that card, so, yeah, uh, she gets out again, she's 17 and 1, she gets in there with Christina Linadatu, who's 14 and 2, but is responsible for the one loss on Alicia Baumgardner's record. So Michaela Mayer will want to beat her in her first fight up at lightweight. And um, that probably sets up the rematch with Baumgardner. So all the best there to Michaela Mayer. I expect her to probably win on points. Elsewhere on the card, we have Denzel Bentley as well. 17-2 and two with a draw. Coming off that loss last time out to uh, Janibek. Alim Kanuli uh, went the distance with him, which was a big shock. Most people thought he'd get splattered in a round or two. He gets in there with Kieran Smith, who's 18-1. and one. Um, It's for Bentley's uh, British middleweight title. All the best there to both guys. I think Bentley probably wins that one by stoppage, to be totally honest with you. But should be a good fight. It's a good domestic dust-up there, really. Um, very much worthy uh, British title fight, I think. Uh, so all the best to both guys there, but yeah, probably um, 
probably Bentley by stoppage, I'd say, that one there. But we'll have to wait and see. Should be a good one. And we also have Moses Itauma as well. One of the most uh, exciting prospects, can we say? Is that a bit early, maybe, um, in, in heavyweight boxing worldwide? 2-0, two, two first-round knockouts. He only boxed um, about three weeks ago. He gets in here, though, with a guy called Kostian Dovbyshenko, who's... 9-12 and 12 with a draw. Never been stopped, but been in there with the likes of Cuba's Jose Lardu, who has knocked out uh, 7 out of 9. He's 9-0 and 0 with 7 KOs. Didn't knock this guy out, though. Uh, they did 8 rounds. He also went the distance with Andre Rodenko um, back in 2020. Went 10 rounds with him, lost to him. Um, went the distance as well with Eric Pfeiffer, who is 8-1 with 6 KOs. Couldn't knock him out. And also, probably the most uh, impressive loss on his record is that he's the only man to have took Zan Kosobutsky the distance. Zan Kosobutsky is obviously the Kazakh fighter. 19-0 with 18 KOs. And this is the one guy he could not knock out. And he ended up going... Um, Six rounds with Kosobutsky. This is a six-rounder as well with the 18-year-old Moses Itauma. I tell you what, if he can get um, this guy out of there, that's a massive statement. But you can more than double your money if, if you back him to win on points. So I tell you what, that's a decent little bet. And I will say I think there's value in that. Um, I haven't shopped around. But I tell you what, if you could get like two to one for him to win on points, whew, that's definitely worth a punt. I think it was six to four when I last checked. And the main event, of course, we're, we're, we're all going there to the heavyweights. It's for the WBO interim world heavyweight title. Big Joe Joyce, 15 and 0. He gets in with Zilil Zhang Eddie, 24 and 1 with a draw. Um, in many ways, I feel like this is the worst style that Zilli Zhang could have gone up against. I think he's a bit clumbus and a bit slow, and um, he, his gas tank isn't very good. And I think Joe Joyce is, <laughs> I guess he's, you know, you couldn't say he's fast. I guess he's a bit slow, but he's, his gas tank is excellent. He gets better and stronger as the rounds go on. He's extremely tough, and he can bang extremely hard. And I just don't think that Zhang will be able to keep up with Joyce. I think Joyce gets him out of there. Uh, well, I wouldn't be surprised if he got him out there in two rounds. I wouldn't be surprised if he got him out there in round nine or ten. So he definitely gets a knockout. But then again, I said the exact same thing about Filip Hergovic in his last fight. I thought there's no way in the world that's going the distance. And obviously he was able to beat Hergovic um, in the end on points. Uh, sorry, lose to him on points. But a lot of people felt that um, he deserved to win. So, um, yeah, that was a mad fight. But that one, if that one went 12 rounds, and I'm saying this is a this is the the worst style possible for him once again, I'm kind of starting to starting to not trust myself. But no, I think Joe Joyce is no <laughs> Philip Hergovic, and I think Joe Joyce gets him out. What do you think, Eddie? You know both guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, you know me. When I talk about Joe Joyce and for, for a while, I was watching, I was like, I can't understand how he's able to do what he does. Because it just doesn't look that special, but it doesn't have to. And he's just like a guy that's going to always be in your face. You know, he reminds me of, and I know you're going to probably crucify me for saying this, but early on when I used to spar Chaz Witherspoon in the gym, he just, and he probably doubled the punch out for the Joe Joyce, or, or, you know, in the gym. But anyway, he would just keep coming. I couldn't figure out how to stop him from coming. There was nothing I could do. Stop him from just continuing to throw punches. And it's kind of like that with Joe Joyce. The only thing is, I would think Joe Joyce's punches are 
even harder. And he's just constantly in your face. And with a guy like we said, like like uh, Zhang, he's not the kind of guy who's like you said has you know he's, he fight he doesn't fight at range necessarily. He doesn't move and box. He's not super sharp. He's more of a kind of a you know plotting coming forward. Uh, you know one punch, big punching kind of guy. And Joe Joyce also has a granite chin, which also makes it so much harder to deal with a guy like that. He's just like one of those dudes. Like you hit him, like I seen big punches and like we saw we saw Daniel Dubois hitting with you know, cracking with big shots and he just kept coming. And it's just like, damn, what can you do to stop this guy from coming? And not only that, he's gonna continue to punch. It's not like he's just coming in throwing one punch at a time or one heavy shot. He's throwing multiples in your face. It's pressure. It's like the wall closing in on you constantly. And for a guy like you said, like that with Zang that doesn't have the greatest gas tank and wants to be right in front of you. It just seems like a showcase for Joe Joyce, in my opinion. Although, like you just said, Joe, and I agree with, we, everybody knew Filiverjevic and knew of him and what he was capable of doing. Stepped in there with Zhang. Most people thought he was going to stop him. And he ended up getting a gift decision. I don't want to say a gift. It was really close. But I thought Zhang won. You know, I mean, obviously I had, I had rooting interest because I wanted to see Zhang win, especially you know, you could see him actually doing well in the fight. And I thought he, could, I thought he was able to do what he was supposed to do. So I mean, I don't know. You can never know uh, with with a guy like that. Maybe he punches hard enough. Maybe he cracks that shell that Joe has in his chin, and he maybe he actually hurts him. Who knows? You have to wait for the fight. But um, if you're gonna say bad matchup, I mean, you know, in, in a way, he's gonna be right there for Joe to hit. The pressure's gonna be in his in his face all day. It's going to be a rough one. It's going to be a rough one, but we'll have to wait till the night to see. Yeah, I think it's going to be a real cracker. And like I said, I just do not think it goes a distance. But I've been wrong before about Big Zilly Zhang. But like I said, I think Joe Joyce is a whole whole nother kettle of fish. Um, moving out now to the Loom Color Phoenix Center in, in Ontario, California, USA. Over here we have Ernesto Mercado, 9-0 with 9 KOs, friend of the show, Um he was getting everyone out within one and two rounds, but his last two fights he went into round six and then round seven. But still, he's managed to knock out everyone he's been in with. And by the way, when I say knock him out, I don't mean TKO. I actually mean knock out. And there was one time where someone retired on their store after one round. But other than that, every victory has been a KO, not a TKO, a KO. So, um, yeah, he's a special fighter. I think he had something like... Uh, 300 amateur fights. I think he was about 290 and 10, if I'm not mistaken. Special fighter. Had him on the show. Friend of the show. It's for the NABA super lightweight title. It's over 10 rounds. It's against Henry Hank Lundy. 31 and 12 with a draw. Also a friend of the show. It's a rescheduled fight. We were supposed to see it a little while back. I think... Um Lundy was supposed to fight Mikado. Then I think he got offered more money to fight Adrian Broner. Then he pulled out the fight with Mikado to fight Broner. And for whatever reason, they didn't sanction that fight. And then he ended up with no fight. And then I think he ended up fighting someone else in the meantime. So did Mikado. Now the fight's back on. Uh, Hank Lundy lost in that fight, you know, while they were waiting for each other. And um, obviously, you know, Mikado racked up another win. But yeah, Lundy coming off four losses in a row now. 
Um, so yeah, you'd expect him to lose again to this very special young fighter in Ernesto Mercado. Certainly a name to look out for, to keep an eye on. I think this guy is going all the way. Only 21 years of age. Unbelievable. Uh, based out of California. And moving to the final card to mention, it takes place at the White Sands Event Center in Plant City, Florida, USA. Over here, uh, just one fight to mention, and I'm not entirely sure if it's actually 100% going ahead, but it looks like it is. We're going to see return to the ring for Louis Calazzo, 39-8 and eight these days. It's a 10-rounder for him. This will be his 23rd year as a professional, if I'm not mistaken. I can't even... Oh, he's 41 years of age. He's going to be um, 42 on April the 22nd. He gets in there with Angel Astorga, who is 17 and 2 with a draw. I don't know uh, who he is. Never actually seen the guy fight before, but yeah. Um, Colazzo obviously decided to retire after his fight. The no contest, the no decision, whatever it was against Emantis um, Stanionis back in August of 2021. I didn't think we'd see him again, but. Yeah, he couldn't control that urge. Um, looking at his most recent Instagram posts and stuff, he doesn't seem like he's like had the best of times uh, since his retirement. Looks like, I mean, for a moment, some of the posts he put out, he, he looked like he'd kind of gone a bit mad. But um, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully I'm reading into that a bit too a bit a bit too much and maybe a bit wrong. And um, yeah, hopefully he's healthy and he can get in this fight here and 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 win you know and maybe bow out on a on a on a final victory and close that book on his career but all the best there to louis Calazzo. uh yeah former world champion been around forever since the dinosaur times but anyways that is it for the preview part of the show in part one we did the review part then we welcomed our special guest the undefeated knockout machine mr sam noakes in part two we did the news then we did the preview part the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds Okay, and this wraps up episode 391 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to this week's special guest, the undefeated, hard-hitting, lightweight Mr. Sam Noakes. All the best to him in his fight this weekend. Do not miss it. It's going to be live on BT Sport. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Like I say, thanks once again for tuning into this week's show. Remember, if you get a spare minute, please leave us a review on iTunes. That truly does mean a lot. That's about everything from myself, though. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe out there, and we shall see you all again same time next week.